0: Welcome to Splash Play, a fantasy football slash sports betting slash DFS podcast hosted by myself and Spags, but Spags, I'm worried. I'm worried about our branding. I'm worried about our mascot, Robbie Anderson. People out here on Twitter are saying, why isn't Chase Claypool your mascot? Splash Clay. What is
1: going on? Do we have a crisis here at our headquarters? I think we might. Robbie Anderson, not the guy anymore. DJ Moore, as you so wisely pointed out, outscored Robbie Anderson. And then here we have every week Chase Claypool flaunting that thang in front of us over and over again. I don't know, Pete, but I think we need to decide during the show, perhaps during the waiver wire segment, of course, that we'll be hitting on, maybe during the take the L. I don't know, Pete, what are the ways that we can decide on the splash clay debacle? I think we're going to just have to figure it out like we always do on
0: our feet. This is the Splash Clay Podcast.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Splash Play where you might have heard me drinking into the microphone (laughs) enjoying perhaps drowning my sorrows as many people out there needed to do and some didn't. A lot of people made a lot of money, including, of course, once again, another Splash Play listener cashing in the Millionaire Maker. It's crazy how it keeps happening, but we'll talk about it as always. I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your favorite man on Twitter. The Comedy King, Pete, is something I saw recently on one of your podcast feeds. I believe it's a Swolecast one, but they go, Peter Overset, the Comedy King. So I'm going to introduce you as the Comedy King, Peter Oberzet. How you doing, Pete?
0: I'm not just being uh, coy. I literally have never heard that in my life. Did someone say that?
1: Yeah, it's in, um, I believe it's the Swolecast. Actually, no, I'll look it up right now while we talk because... No, please don't. <laughs> I, no, I think it's only fair that we do this because we are a complete show, Pete. That's why people should hit the like button and subscribe right now because we give the best information possible. And that includes when Pete is given um, adorable, I'll say perhaps cringy, others might say nicknames. Uh, i'll say cringy um <laughs> i yeah, got it so, okay so the swole cast provides fantasy football analysis of course listen to the swole cast watch the swole cast pete does that every friday right with uh some of the other guys there. every
0: wednesday but close enough
1: well you know <laughs> i watch it every friday <laughs> yeah, so right, i presume yeah. that's when it
0: comes out did it used to be friday it actually did yeah we okay. did it later we moved it up
1: this year you you know we had to game the youtube system get that first look <laughs> video out that's true. That's uh, something we know all about here on the on the Splash Play YouTube channel. So make sure you hit that like and subscribe button so we can gain the system together. Uh, but let's just cut to the chase here. Uh, it has the millennial perspective from Davis Maddock, actionable advice from Dan, Mr. Tuttle, O5 Gaspar and comedy King Peter Overs Bring in wow. the laughs.
0: I don't know who's doing the copywriting over at
1: Roto-Grinders, man. Uh, the uh, That's a heavy crown to wear. <laughs> you are bringing the last. Pete's going to be bringing the last all hour long here on Splash Play as usual. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Again, hit that like button. Leave a comment down below. Tell us who you are. We know some of the regulars around here, but if you're a newer viewer, if you're here for the waiver wire segment, check the timestamps down below. You can skip ahead if you need to. But we want to know all of you guys. We're building a community here. What's what we care about. We love hearing from all of you, so make sure you're liking the button leaving a comment and subscribing and of course giving us five stars and a review on apple podcast because quite frankly i don't know a comedy king who wouldn't want that and you you might behead them as the comedy king i think that's the thing you're a cruel comedy king
0: yes if you leave uh, a super funny comment on the video or an itunes review it's the equivalent of beheading the comedy king it's uh, a very sharp blade coming down on me it's like when you do a funny tweet and everyone replies to it punching it up with better jokes that's what you can do in the comments here
1: i was thinking more that if they left a bad comment you would hunt (laughs) them down with your minions you'd send them out there because a comedy king does not like bad comedy that's the one thing we know about the comedy king
0: yeah, unfortunately, like how my brain and I don't know. I mean, you, you've been in the internet streets forever when you put out stuff that people don't like. I don't know how your brain operates. Mine just like ignores it like it just like it just bounces off of you like Teflon and I just move on. Do you do you still dwell on bad comments?
1: I mean, I've never had a bad thing that I put out. <laughs> like that's the but one day I assume when that happens, yeah, I, it does hypothetically, yeah, you have to you have to build up a callus. It's like anything, you know. For us, I think we're uh, Pete and I have done as I talk about a lot in things the ten thousand hours, the Malcolm Gladwell outlier, ten thousand hours you need to be competent in something. I feel like we both have done that with broadcasting, and um, you know, I think you just have to build up that callus over time, and and also like be aware. Like I think that's one thing too, where because we're a new podcast, people go like, oh, new podcast, like come check out my podcast and i've checked out a few and uh you know some people out there maybe not ready for the bright lights of the youtube channel <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it is it is seriously a thing of reps the the swocas guys were actually laughing at me because they dug up some of my old fantasy football comedy hour sketches and videos that i had put out on the internet you know five or six years ago which you too can find if you want to search for them um but yeah you you got to you got to get your reps uh and people are going to take shots at you along the way
1: yeah, you don't become the comedy king by just strolling into the castle. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta get your bona fides. You gotta take a few kingdoms along the way of comedy, of course, and that's the important thing to remember. Uh, it's let's true. let's talk the week six big stories here. Of besides, of course, Chase Claypool, who uh, was a chalky, a popular play in NFL DFS, came through. Um, his ownership now, uh, well, where it should be in terms of the season long leagues as well. Um, so we could talk more about him. But we got to do it again. The of course, the Millionaire Maker lineup is the way to look at the history of the NFL. Um, for all the weeks that fantasy footballs existed. So maybe not the full history, though. I would have played Joe Namath in Super Bowl three. I think we can all agree with that. But uh, overall, it does seem like a week once again, Pete. Where it just keeps happening I don't know why You know, I know we put out great advice here we had Lord Rebs on on Thursday he had a great showing for us with our ride or die picks and uh, maybe that's where Wacky Uncle once again one of our most beloved listeners he's a Wacky Uncle he's not a drunk uncle he's not a handsy uncle I wouldn't want those guys as one of our listeners but Wacky Uncle Pete takes down the Millie one of our most beloved listeners slash viewers
0: Yeah, I'm so stoked for this, dude. I mean, he wanted the Arnie Weinmeister signed card so bad. He didn't end up winning it. The dude smashes the like button every episode all up in our mentions. And to see him get this million dollar score after listening to us spit hot fire on Thursday with Lord Reeves. I mean, it's humbling is honestly what it is.
1: It's great to see the success, even though, uh, of course, for all of you out there who did not have million dollars success, including perhaps Pete and I, we won't reveal our bank rolls this week. I think we can save that for Pete's bankroll challenge videos. Uh, but for, <laughs> for us right now, just pretend we all had great weeks, but none as great as Wacky Uncle, who had Matt Ryan at quarterback, a guy who went off as part of that Atlanta stack. He has Julio Jones also stacked up with him, um, actually, and also Hayden Hurst, kind of a surprising one here. Didn't go Ridley, did go with a double stack, though, with Julio Jones and Hayden Hurst, and Pete. We talked about it before we came on the air, but where were you with this Atlanta stack this week?
0: Yeah, so I did end up playing, um, a little bit of Julio as a one-off because it seemed like, you know, he, he makes you nervous cause he was on the injury report earlier in the week, but his price and ownership was going to be so good, but I didn't end up getting on this game enough. I liked Julio and I liked Jefferson and I played those guys as one-offs, but you really needed them together
1: to really dominate. I did get Julio because of the price point, and again, the Monte Carlo Sims, my best friend, pointed me to some helpful things this week in terms of that Atlanta stack, so I got there, but it also pointed me towards Aaron Rodgers, so I feel like that's the, the downside of the simulation game, but... Um, Yeah, Matt Ryan and the Atlanta stack, a crucial part. Another even more crucial part, one could argue, was the run back. And this is why uh, a lot of the sharpest DFS players, that's why we talk about it on here. Stack your quarterback with two guys, especially if you're not a running quarterback like Kirk Cousins, and run it back with a guy on the other side because a rising tide lifts all fantasy football boats. That's how it goes. And Justin Jefferson is the boat on the other side. Pete, 42.6 fantasy points for him, two touchdowns in that game that Minnesota gave away in the first half, and then they just spent the entire second half basically doing garbage time football and justin jefferson not a dude i had any of pete how about you
0: yeah again i had a little bit of him as a one-off but uh not with kirk or not in the game stacks unfortunately and man he he looks really good like mm-hmm. from you know in dynasty and stuff like that he was going in the same range as like jalen rager and those guys and i kept kind of passing over him and he just looks like the real deal he looks so good i was thinking back to you know, I mean, Diggs is one of the best wide receivers in football, and he even he wasn't putting up as monstrous of weeks as Justin Jefferson is in this offense. So I don't know if they've like switched things around if Justin Jefferson is just this good. But yeah, he he's legit.
1: Yeah, definitely been a spot where Adam Thielen's been the main beneficiary of this whatever passing offense there is for Minnesota, but hard to see him having that same volume every week that he's had so far. If Justin Jefferson's going to be capable of doing things like this, though, you know, playing from behind is going to help a lot of guys out. Uh, the rest of Wacky Uncle's lineup, Ronald Jones, of course, a popular fixture in all of Peach streams over the quarantine period, doing all the best ball drafts. Ronald Jones coming through in a big way. Derrick Henry also coming through in a monster way, winning that game in overtime for the Titans. Basically, um, looking unbelievably good, and at running back, Pete, it seems like these two guys, I mean, two of the better plays, along with DeAndre Swift, who he played in the flex, so he played three running backs, Um, so very unique lineup here for Wacky Uncle.
0: Yeah, I mean, Henry was popular, but you absolutely needed him to win a million dollars this week. I love the Rojo and Swift calls. I mean, Rojo was in a great spot, uh, especially when Fournette was out. I don't know if this was in his lineup all the way up to there. If he ended up doing a late swap, I would guess this was just his lineup, but he was still in a good spot. And then Swift, man, there were some positive indicators early in the week when Adrian Peterson was looking more questionable. He ended up suiting up, but people who didn't get scared away by that. And and I think in general, betting on these young rookies to have their roles grow is like a good way to get out ahead of things in DFS. And he was able to do that with Justin Jefferson and DeAndre Swift. So, so stoked for our listeners, man. I don't know how they keep doing it.
1: The rookie trope, I don't know if it works quite as well for Cam Akers, but at least so far from what we're seeing, again, we are recording during Sunday Night Football, so it's about to go to halftime here with that game, and we'll keep watching but Cam Akers currently hanging on my showdown lineups like an albatross or an anchor depending upon what A word you want to use. Here's where Wacky Uncle's lineup gets extra wacky but also pretty terrible. Uh, Valdez Scantling, 6.2 fantasy points for him, so I guess he was thinking maybe a lot of people were going to play Devontae Adams. He went a different way, wanted a piece of that Tampa Bay game, and uh, he won the Millionaire Maker despite having Valdez-Scantling getting 6.2 points. The Steelers getting 18 fantasy points. Actually, let's circle back on that, but can you believe a Millionaire Maker winner has a 6.2 fantasy point here? And I guess maybe you can because you've had big success as we talked about some other shows, you know, having that dud or having that Adam Troutman type zero or, you know, slightly above type player.
0: Yeah. One thing I've talked about when you look at, so uh, CSU Ram 88, Pete Jennings today, he won the luxury box and he had a big game stack where he had Kirk in three Vikings. He had Irv, Justin Jefferson, Thielen in the bring back with Julio. And then he had Henry and everything else in his lineup dudded. So when you really pull back, he got two things, right? A big game stack and Derrick Henry to win the Millie maker. You have to get like seven or eight things, right? He didn't end up getting all nine things, right? So the reason I like that though, is he had a little correlation where he was like, I'm playing Rojo and I'm going to play MBS on the other side. And he's still trying to eliminate the number of things he has to get right. Um, but to hit, for him in this lineup, I think DeAndre Swift, that's the huge difference maker. I mean, what was he owned? Like 2%?
1: Yeah, he was 4% actually, so a little bit more than you might think. But yeah, it's just a matter of sometimes of getting that one guy in a lineup who has some fantasy points and nobody else is playing because you're on a different construction. And by him getting to Swift and going to as scantling uh, nobody played this lineup. And the Steelers, so Pete, this is one that I'm going to victory lap on a little early um, because, God, God forbid, we need to have some successes in this week that uh, a lot of bloodbaths around here. But um, I said that Baker Mayfield was going to get gobbled up by the Steelers' defense, and I did not expect it to be quite that bad that he got pulled basically at halftime and uh, just looked absolutely dreadful, and to the point where they were asking, like, hey, you're going to play Case Keenum next week because uh, you <laughs> Baker does not have it and uh, did not have it in a major way today.
0: Yeah, uh, I had seen there was, like, a report... Um- that came out right before the game that said he was on a shorter leash than usual. And I wasn't sure if that was maybe health related because he was banged up during the week, but yeah, I mean, the Steelers just absolutely dominated him and uh, yeah, you were on that one. It was a, it was a bad spot for the, uh, for the Browns and that's, you know, borne out for sure.
1: It's one of those things happening right now during Sunday Night Football too with Jared Goff and Graded Goff has struggled against the Niners a lot but um, when you have quarterbacks you take a real drop off a cliff when they're getting pressure against them and this is one of the PFF stats that I like the most where you could see that split on how guys are performing when they're getting pressure at thrown at them. Uh, you know, Baker is a guy who falls off a cliff and Jared Goff also falls off a cliff and uh, so far tonight he's definitely fallen off of a cliff so keep that in mind. I think it's one time, uh, one stat. You know, a lot of these peripheral stats can be noisy, can be distracting but uh, QB pressure is a very real thing. Another thing that's a real thing, uh, Alex Madison, I have this on our sheet, and we don't love profanity here, but I I just feel like it's funny to say, holy shit was Alex Madison bad chalk, and um, I really, we talked about on the show, I thought he had, based on the projections out there, I had him as having like an 80% chance of getting over 20 fantasy points. I figured even if he didn't have a great day, like even if he wasn't a tournament winning play, I thought he was kind of going to be in that Derrick Henry range where Henry went off, but it was really more you're playing Henry because he's not going to kill you. He has that floor I thought Madison had a floor, and uh, that floor crashed through a million times over. And Madison, I know, Pete, you said earlier, uh, at least when we were talking before the show, you didn't play a ton of Madison this week, but were you surprised by how badly he bombed out? Because this is one, I think, for the record books.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I was surprised. Like to me, he was a guy I thought was a lock for a pretty high floor. Um, I just thought I would fade the ceiling at the ownership and the price tag at at 7,200. But yeah, I mean, he got stuffed on the goal line, what, two times in a row? And then they bring in Mike Boone who also got stuffed. So, I mean, he should have at least had, you know, a 12 to 15 point day. I honestly didn't see a ton of this game other than red zone highlights. Was it just that they were scoring so efficiently? through the air that he didn't because it's like this game environment you would think would allow for some running back production.
1: In the first half, you mentioned he got stopped in that goal line series, and they stopped giving him the goal line touches after that, at least from what I saw as well, and then they were just behind so much that they just didn't have him involved much in the second half. Um, I think he was running some routes and doing some pass blocking, at least from what I saw, again, switching around between the games, but uh, didn't get targeted much, uh, if at all, Um, so he really wasn't involved in the pass game in the way uh, that you might expect him being involved, but yeah, it's a definitely concerning one, and we talked about it, you know, we even joked about the troll play being Mike Boone, and Mike Boone didn't get in the end zone, but um, arguably would have been a better play to play like Boone instead of playing Alex Madison. Cause at least you would have saved some money. Was my troll play Adam Humphries? I think so. I don't remember what, yeah. cause we don't mark those down. That's one that we just do for funsies. We don't do yeah. that for this, the this. I think the, the it glory. was
0: because AJ, I mean, AJ Brown shock hit, he had, mm. he had two touchdowns, but Adam Humphries did get in the box. Uh, so a little bit trolly, but not in the, you know, sticking the needle in kind of troll.
1: I'm sure Clay Travis doing victory laps after Adam Humphreys has coronavirus comes back in there, and now he's crushing it once again. So Adam Humphreys, truly a Marvel, a medical Marvel, I would say.
0: Yes, uh, the the Titans are America's team, the red wave that we all knew was coming in the form of the Titans.
1: Honestly, you have to respect it though. Winning those two games. Let's talk Derrick Henry too as part of this, but uh, playing two games in five days, a tough thing. One of the unfortunate outcomes of the season with the games moving around is you're going to find some of these tight windows for guys. And, you know, I didn't feel the worst for the Titans and I hated their, you know, the post Tuesday night game where they were like, Oh, you know, everybody was down on us because we didn't do COVID protocols and, and put several games in jeopardy and, and upset the league in a variety of ways. But you know, like, I get it. But at the same time, amazing that they overcame this amazing that they were able to get up for another game in this period after you know one against the bills that could have been tighter but uh, this one against houston they they put them down early and then just kept fighting them off and kept clawing back and fought back in ot and this Titans team kind of has a little bit of not to be full bill simmons but i feel like they got a little bit of magic behind them it feels like
0: i know i'm so torn by this because the players themselves i love like they are the grown-ass men like derrick henry aj brown johnny smith are just such sick fun athletes to root for. Ryan Tannehill has been so efficient, like maximizing those guys, but there is like, did you see the clip after their game against the bills or whatever? I think it was their lineman, Taylor Lewin. And he was like, they hate it. They hate that we're winning. Like, all, like, I hate that, like smug condescending tone of like, we, you know, said, fuck you to the rules. And then we also still won. I'm like, if they just did their thing and won, but that kind of holier than thou attitude, it's a, it's a tough read for me.
1: It's a a little, you know, it's election season. We're not trying to fan any flames, but it it evokes a certain political party (laughs) sometimes, (laughs) I think we could say. Uh, But, you know, it's I I still like the team. I think you're right, though. I think I like the team enough where Derrick Henry did a post-game interview, which I don't know if you saw any of the post-game interviews today, but they changed the setup, at least for Fox, where the reporter's now in the front row of, like, the end zone, and then the players down below, like, looking up at them. And it's a really strange kind of like God complexy slash, I don't know. It just feels like they're gladiators in a way that I didn't really enjoy. It was just odd. But Derek Henry gave an interview and he's like, yeah, Ryan Tannehill. He's our general. And I'm like, what? He's a general now? Like <laughs> but general Tannehill. I kind of don't hate it. Yeah. You
0: know what? This is, you're grinding harder than me spags because uh, I haven't been watching the Titans post game interviews. <laughs> Apparently I, I should be missing those.
1: No, you're missing all the important juju that they have going for them, all the things between the data. Um, but Derrick Henry, yeah, and uh, Derrick Henry too. I think it's funny because he has his hair like the way that he had his hair done was like pulling out the back of his of his helmet, and normally that's a spot where the players would take him down. But for Derrick Henry, they're like, no, let's like let's not do that. I don't want to get him angry. Like <laughs> I don't want to pull that braid down and have him smash me in the face and stiff arm me halfway across the field. Yeah,
0: he uh, yeah he, he he's a grown ass man. There are people debating uh on twitter whether he was a fish play in dfs and uh i i um i think for how i view it is yes he makes me nervous at high ownership because he doesn't catch passes but again uh as our friend blender uh at roto grinder says you can play whoever you want as long as you're mindful of the other pieces you put around him. like you can't just jam all you know mike davis alexander madison and derrick henry like how would that have gone for you but if you're selective with the pieces around it, it can work out. So I'm not a guy who generally plays Derrick Henry. I played him a few weeks ago when he was chalk and I got burned. So uh, congratulations to everyone who got unstuck on Derrick Henry today.
1: Yeah, I was just riding the field with him, and I honestly could have gone a little more. But this is one stat we talked about with Lord Reeves uh, vis-a-vis Joe Mixon, who is a surprise number four in the league in terms of intended touches. But for Derrick Henry, they're trying to give him the ball on forty percent of their plays. Like for whatever Tan Hill's doing, you know that's still ultimately the metric that matters to me. That's um, I don't have it sorted right now, but basically that's like one of the highest marks in the league. That actually might be the highest mark in the league, uh, not updated for what he did this week. And if if you're basically the offense, you know that's what we look at. If you go to Player Profiler, like that's how they calculate the college dominator stats is like well, how much of your team's yards are you responsible for and in what percentile are you like and that's basically what Derrick Henry is like if, if you're going to be the team's entire offense I think you should be in play every week even though he does break the brains of a lot of people who are probably smarter than Pete and I uh, because he just doesn't catch passes and they can't get the fact that uh, this man's been running for 200 yards since he was literally a 14 year old in Florida
0: let me uh let me flip the scripts we normally do numbers don't lie on Thursday who led the Titans in yards per carry today?
1: Was it Jeremy McNichols?
0: Yeah. Uh, Isn't that wild? 10.2 to 9.6. That's,
1: I mean, look, uh, Derek Henry, a system running back. We all know that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, I, I will say too, like, I, I was someone that had been stashing Darrington Evans, that he was the rookie they drafted. And they wanted him to fill in for the Dion Lewis role. There was like hype out of camp. Hey, this guy's like an Alvin Kamara type. So I was excited about him. Uh, He got, they put him on IR, short-term IR. Jeremy McNichol steps in. Like the snaps I've seen as he finished that game on Tuesday night in this game, like he looks pretty good. He, if we're talking season-long fantasy stashes, I think he's a really good bench stash because if Derrick Henry goes down, you just mentioned it, they're giving Derrick Henry the ball on 40% of their snaps. He would inherit a pretty good workload behind a good line. So I'm, uh, I'm on Jeremy McNichols as the next man up type play.
1: I like it. Now, honestly, the only reason I knew that he was deeply involved is because of the showdown on Tuesday where I was like, I'm going to play some Jeremy McNichols, I guess, because he's getting snaps. (laughs) uh, So to see him today, I was like, oh, good for you, Jeremy McNichols. Like the fact he even played on Tuesday was amazing. But uh, yeah, I agree. I think honestly, a guy we should probably consider in our waiver wire segment. Um, And we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out in a bit, because honestly, Pete, I was going through a lot of these guys not under 40% anymore. So we're going to have to take some real leaps of faith.
0: Yeah, and we didn't have uh, too big of an injury day today. I'm thinking of a couple now. I don't know if we're going to get to that. But yeah, waiver wire is going to be tough.
1: Um, Let's move on and let's do, unless there's any other big stories you want to hit on, otherwise we can move on to victory laps.
0: Yeah, no, I think we've I think we've hit the the main well, ones, the Titans.
1: Well, should we hit well. Aaron Rodgers in that game real fast? Because that was one. Yeah. First of all, this afternoon slate today with the Jets in Miami and that Bucks game against the Packers, which looked like you know we talked about it on here on Thursday with Lord Reeves, with Rich Rebar, of course, of sharp football analysis. Um, you know these. This game looked good on paper. The Jets-Miami game, I don't think there were highest expectations in the world. There was one funny thing, though, in that game uh, that they I was watching it, and they were talking about Joe Flacco, and I guess going into that game, he was 270 yards behind Joe Montana, and he was like, I don't even know that. I'm a big Joe Montana guy, and I guess that's for 20th overall, which just goes to show, by the way, how these stats have become completely meaningless, that Joe Flacco is now uh, breathing down the neck of Joe Montana. But he was like, it'd be great if I could get that today, and it's like, nope. <laughs> you are not getting Even against Miami, you're not getting that today because you are Joe Flacco out, Your coach is Adam Gase and this is your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean the stuff I just in general, like it's part of what makes DFS uh, fun and, and profitable for people who don't react too much to recency bias. And it's like, none of these guys are going to just scorch the earth for 16 weeks. Like the Tampa Bay Bucks defense is solid. Aaron Rodgers had a bad game. It doesn't mean that he's shit or overrated or all of this stuff. It's like outlier games can happen and so if people are going to overreact and panic like I don't know how that manifests maybe it's in DFS at low owner ownership maybe it's a buy low in your season long league maybe it's his MVP odds plummet in the betting markets and now you can get him at a lot longer number but like I don't think we should be overacting to stuff where we've seen an established pattern which is the Rodgers has been really good
1: I do say, I have to say that one thing that jumped out to me as I was doing the afternoon lineups, because of course I have to play every slate. Like it's my job in the hopes I can't of... <laughs>
0: believe you're grinding those afternoon. I mean, it's been,
1: great. it's honestly been okay. Like the showdown always works out. Like I'm, I'm my profitability in the NFL this year is entirely based off of showdowns, which, you know, Pete and I won one on a show to, at the same time, different tournaments. And um that's been good to me. The afternoon slate though, is like my undoing or my saving grace every week. And this week it was my undoing. But one thing that I noticed is that Aaron Rodgers also sucks under pressure. And granted, you know, a lot of QBs struggle with it, but 55% accuracy for him going into today's game. And then the Bucks have been blitzing a lot. That's how they've actually been getting results from that defense this year. That's why they're a little bit less terrible than they were last year, even though they're still defending the run about as well as they were. Um, yeah, they just send a lot of pressure. And I was like, oh no, I'm playing so much Rodgers and I might be screwed. And they could sometimes, you know, you, gotta, you could be a pure projections guy, but I think it is helpful sometimes to look at these peripheral stats and try to get a read on them. And I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to have better days like Pete mentioned, but if you face a team who's going to be very blitz heavy, I do have some concerns for him because I got to say he looked, I wouldn't say washed up, but he looked like concerning out there, I would say, besides the the touchdown celebration that I think was pretty ill-advised in hindsight.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the key and peel yeah. uh, pump uh, was pretty good. Uh, quick question for my own curiosity. How do you approach the um, the afternoon slates? Are you just trying to kind of like jam optimals and make sure other people make mistakes? Or are you trying to get, uh, super contrarian with overstacking. How do you approach this?
1: So with anything I'm doing this year, and this is part of why, you know, like even if I'm getting killed, like today felt like I was getting killed and I basically gave back 50% today of, of my usual bankroll. But um, what I've been really doing is just running simulations. I mean, like we joke about it on here, but this is how I'm doing it every week now is I use a standard deviation. I calculate that for, you know, a hundred simulations uh, for every position Try to sort out then based upon the positions who's going to be hitting their target score the most and then try to get less of the guys who look like they're over-owned relative to Like what they're getting to, or how frequently they're getting, you know, 20 fantasy points or whatever the target score is. So, like, it's been good. It's been good from a bankroll management perspective. But for the afternoon slates, if you miss out, like today, like Mike Gasicki did nothing. I don't know how that happened. Two tight ends caught touchdowns and they weren't him. Yeah. And
0: Smythe, that was crazy.
1: Yeah. So, that was what killed me because there was like no logical reason that that should have been that bad. But, but it was that bad. And Gasicki just. Uh, did not help out. But yeah, it's afternoon slates, the, the margins are narrow. And um, I, I honestly would apply those lessons for tomorrow with the Monday night slate because another two gamer again on Monday night and two big ones and a, a millionaire maker on DraftKings this week. So that'll be fun.
0: Yeah. No, I'm I'm excited for those. I'm always torn because I I have a process for showdown, but I don't have a good short slate process. So that's why I was picking your brain and it does seem like especially for the two game that from what I've read, that kind of like overstacking is is maybe the way to go, uh, that people just don't do that enough. Um, if you can just get on the one game, that pops off. Uh, whereas most people like to mix, mix and match. It's why in showdown, 3-3, three, three, right, is the most popular construction, because they're like, I'll get three guys from this team, three from that. And if you go 5-1, yeah, it doesn't hit all the time. But when it does hit, the field isn't using it at a rate that is actually reflective of how often it hits.
1: Yeah, I think, and I think still, you know, you're trying to get your core stack principles. You're also, if you're using an optimizer, I know, of course, that's sacrilege to Pete. So hopefully he can plug his ears in with his headphones real fast. But if you're using an optimizer, being able to put, you know, one guy against the defense at least, so you're playing a defense that's, you know, uh, you know, theoretically, you wouldn't do that normally on a larger slate, but on a shorter slate tomorrow, like. I will have no problem playing Josh Allen and the Chiefs defense because Josh Allen turns the ball over and the Chiefs defense is pretty opportunistic. So uh, for the short slates, you have to think a little bit differently than uh, some of the larger ones. But I don't think it's as completely different of a ball game as like Showdown, where that's to me a completely different thought process entirely.
0: It is, I know, and that's why I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll just stick to Showdown because I kind of know what I need to do. And it they and that's the thing people have to remember. It's like. Yes. You know what's happening on the football field and your player evaluation and stuff is important, but these are essentially completely different game types. It's like going from playing, you know, monopoly to shoots and ladders, you know, like maybe there's some similar principles, but it's an entirely different game. uh, And that that's what makes it fun and difficult.
1: Especially with football, where it's the most variable sport, and I think if you if you know people out there approached the NBA with the same fervor uh, fervor that they do the NFL, I think people would get more positive results because the NBA. That's why the NBA is tough is that like you know people are very sharp and it's easier to predict and figure out. But the NFL is very random and and random things happen, including uh, victory laps. And here's one that I'm gonna take a victory lap on: AJ Green, not dead. He's got eight catches this week for 96 yards on 11 targets. Actually, um, was in my best millionaire maker lineup this week, which felt good. Unfortunately, that one had Alex Madison and had a zero from Tyler Eifert with his neck injury, so that was fantastic. Uh, Besides that, though, I'm excited for AJ Green. I like the fact that he didn't want to get traded. I feel like maybe they figured something out here. He's going to probably be cheap one more week, and uh, you know, if they're going to be able to throw as much as they are, Joe Burrow's been dropping back a lot, and they have a very natural stack now with Higgins, Green, and I guess if you want to put Boyden there too. Like, I think it's a pretty appealing team to you know have a read on moving forward. But Pete, he's not stat shaming this week. I took him out of the stat shaming segment. But are you buying it on AJ Green's renaissance?
0: No, no. I you, we're spinning this in two different ways. I'm saying AJ Green had his best game of the season, and T Higgins still cleared a hundred yards. The yeah. rookie. I mean. Uh, he, I agree with the premise. He is AJ green is not dead. Um, that said, I still think Higgins and Boyd are the guys you want in this offense.
1: See, I have to say though, like AJ green being not dead, I think jumps out to me more because of how dead CY Hilton is where he is. He is so you could bury him. They were trailing and he's still, um, there's a fun fact that I think I have in one of the segments, but he was the seventh leading receiver in terms of both catches and yardage for the Colts.
0: Yeah and it, it's crazy too cuz you're trying to untangle like hey the the Colts had a good passing day like Rivers hit Burton and he hit Jack Doyle and he's you know and he's shown that he loves featuring the tight end and them trying to think like okay over his career he used Keenan Allen a ton but i think Keenan Allen's a way better route runner than TY Hilton is and just has kind of that um I don't know whether it is the mechanics or whatever to get open more so than T.Y., but yeah, T.Y., just his age, his stylistic fit, what this offense wants to do on the ground, the way it wants to use the tight ends, like he's the odd man out.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it's it's kind of a bummer because I do like T.Y. Hilton. I've always liked how... You know, he's a burner, he's a variable guy, but I felt like he added some short routes to his repertoire, but for whatever reason, he and Phillip Rivers are not clicking even a little bit, and uh, I'm going to be reluctant to go back there, but, you know, I'll probably just have one ceremonial T.Y. Hilton lineup every week, just in the hopes that he has one last big day. Any victory laps you want to take here, Pete? I'll give you one uh, that you got, too, uh, correctly in the ride-or-die picks. T. Higgins, highest-scoring non-QB in that game for Cincinnati, and the boy went off again. He, even with A.J. Green having the big day, you would think that Higgins kind of comes back a little bit. In that game, too, they were in control for most of it, but Higgins looking like a monster.
0: Yeah, he looks really good. And I, I feel like that is the story of this year for fantasy. These rookie wide receivers just continue to produce. And, of course, my, my guy Chanel uh, had a rough day today, but in general, Chase Claypool, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, just scored here i mean all of these rookie wide receivers cd lamb looks like the the number one we're going to get jalen rager back soon i mean this class i think is going to end up rivaling the 2014 class with odell and mike evans and in Devontae adams is one of the best wide
1: receiver draft classes we've ever seen No, I agree. And I think, too, uh, one guy I want to victory lap here, but I just want to have a moment to talk about him because I think he actually is pretty impressive. Uh, Travis Fulgham getting there again in a game where the Eagles looked pretty bad for the most part, though uh, certainly not helped by that one drop pass by Miles Sanders. Zach Ertz going out uh, with one of the worst years so far. Maybe he'll miss a couple weeks and change the equation there. Uh, But Fulgham, I think, is pretty viable. I I worry still about when Jeffrey and and Deshaun Jackson get out there, but uh, he's one guy that I'm going to victory lap because I liked him. I had him a lot, and he came through at a reasonable value you though next week going to be tougher to play him when he gets up to the 5k 6k range I know I was tilting because I had um, one of my better lineups was on FanDuel and I had a Lamar
0: team with Fulgham coming back but it was a double stack with Andrews and Marquise Brown and like Fulgham <laughs> and Lamar crushed but like none of his pieces did good they, they both flopped I actually ended up cashing it because it had Derek Henry in it but I, it's just like uh, so weird. I mean, we always know these quarterbacks that can run; they can get there on their own. Uh, I mean, even Cam is a great example today. No one in that offense did anything. He still got twenty fantasy points because if you run and you get touchdowns, you are you have standalone value.
1: So this was my mm. long winded way of saying
0: yes folk was a pleasant surprise
1: today. <laughs> I That's let, me tilting. No, I'm with you on this one. I'm going to take the L. Let's let's transition to take the L, of course. where We'll debate if we should take an L for this and here's what I'm going to take and this is a funny one because one person, um, I think his name's Frankie, who has been one of our regular splash play guys, uh, tweeted at me and I, you probably saw the tweet. Oh, he, <laughs> I
0: saw it. I loved
1: it. <laughs> where uh, for my ride or die picks, I had said that, oh, the stack with Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown is going to get 40 combined fantasy points and he thought I think he thought I met, that included Lamar, which I Obviously, it would change the equation quite a bit. But I was like, no, like they've only done it once since and it was week one of last year, that game where they completely stomped Miami as the Ravens did. Um, and that was when Brown and Andrews both got over 20 fantasy points. It's the only time it's happened. Granted, they've only played, you know, a season and change now. But that really surprised me. And I'm gonna say, Pete, I, I played it this week because I was like, you know what, this is probably just a crazy aberration. It's gonna eventually level out. And I did it this week and I just walked into that buzzsaw saw of playing Brown and Andrews and Holy, they both killed me almost as bad as Madison did.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. They they hurt me hard. I, I, I had skinny stacks too, you know, just Lamar to one of them. And, and those bombed. And all my, uh, I play with my buddy Pat and the FFPC. Those are tight end premium leagues where you get 1.5 points for each tight end uh, reception. And we have Mark Andrews in, on so many of our teams. And our teams just live and die by him. And he's like, he either crushes or just completely flops. And it really kills.
1: Yeah, he was a, a tough play today, and, and tight end uh, tight end might be a position. Uh, I think weekly you might just have to pay down a tight end this year because that seems to be happening time and time again. Uh, we talked about the Titans. Anthony Ferkser uh, did not have a great Tuesday night, had an okay one, but today he went off in a big way. Uh, that dude for Denver who actually uh, should be in our, our conversation for the waiver wire, but I already forgot how to say his name and what it sounds like and what <laughs> – Albert Agweibunum. Uh, Ogu- Agweibunum. Ogu- Agweibunum. Are you Akui? confident? Are you?
0: <laughs> yes, I did. I did a video earlier this offseason where I did a spelling bee uh, where I got his name. So I do know how to pronounce Albert Akui
1: Albert Akui Yes. Okay. There are
0: some words or letters in there that are silent, but that is the phonetic pronunciation.
1: So honestly, I would have rather played him over Mark Andrews <laughs> this week yeah. if I had known that he was going to be playing. I think it's funny, too, because everybody was like, Jake Butt. People were posting the it's always sunny, butt, butt, butt gif, and it's like, no it's uh, a a goo- damn a gooey boonum a gooey boonum <laughs> you're, you're you're there not a gooey Boonum that sounds like a an urban dictionary sexual term. <laughs>
0: It sounds like something from like a Nickelodeon show. And now for the Agooibunum.
1: <laughs> yeah, or, or a fine Haka, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, either way, um, that dude was, I think, a better play than Mark Andrews this week. So keep that in mind. Maybe play some more cheap, crappy tight ends and hope they, they come through because that's been the move so far. But that is, that's life. Uh, Pete, any L's you want to take here? We talked enough about Alex Madison. We talked enough about T.Y. tonight I'll take those L's. Very shamefully, to be honest, but it helps, I think, to know for the people out there, like if I hurt you somehow by giving you advice, trust me, I hurt myself 10 times more.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at my ride or die picks from week six. Definitely have some L's to take. I would say the one that jumps out the biggest and it's on the tight end note from the same game. Like I said, Zach Ertz over 20 DK points. I was willing to martingale it, double down once more on it. Just total dust. I mean, the, the dude is like, he has nothing left in the tank he can't shed a tackle he can't get open he's not he's losing red zone targets to someone named Jason Kroom. I mean it's it's done for Zach Ertz I I uh I'm appalled at myself for even trying
1: Jason Kroom is a former Bills tight end is that right or that sounds he could be it he could be um but you know let's let's see real fast if that's correct but yeah I'm with you on that one I really think that Ertz I mean granted we knew yeah he was on the Bills last or on the Bills in 2018 so he actually might have been out of the league last year which um even creepier that I <laughs> that's information still stayed in my brain um but yeah Ertz I think he just wants to get out of there and now he's hurt and we'll see how long he milks this injury but uh, yeah, Zach it's certainly somebody you could take an L with. And, um, I feel like we've talked about this enough, but, uh, the, tell me who hurt you. Is there anybody in particular who hurt you this week, who we haven't talked about? Because for me, it's Justin Jefferson. We've hit on it enough. He had nine catches, 166 yards, two TDs, 11 targets. He's a monster. I didn't play him enough. I feel stupid, but all, all we could do is move on, Pete.
0: Yeah. Uh, Chanel hurt me today. Um, I had pieces of that game cause I was doing lots of little correlations. Like I do Chenault with Hawkinson who, who got in the end zone, but I do Chenault with Marvin Jones and that game just was so tilting Minshew looked awful. And then when he finally gets it together, he rushes in the touchdown and, uh, yeah, just a, a disappointing day for Chenault. I thought it set up really well for him with Chark being a, a true game time decision with the ankle. You know, he's coming off an eight target game. Everyone liked this uh, game from a DFS perspective. They had like a 24 and a half point implied team total. I just thought all the stars were aligning for a solid Chenault game. So he hurt me.
1: Yeah. Keelan Cole going off again, having a nice day. Um, You know, uh, really, that game was, I think, overall pretty disappointing for one that a lot of people were, er- were on earlier in the week. And I don't think we were on quite as much on our show, but uh, had a high over under in that one and it got pretty close to it. But I was entirely on the lion side because. He mentioned uh, Gardner Minshew, not great. Uh, let's get on to stat shaming here, of course, where we asked, did these plays get sustainable numbers? Did we find them beautiful? Uh, excuse me, damn it, I already botched the intro. Did these plays get unsustainable numbers, or do we consider, consider them beautiful at a healthy weight of touches? And the first one I'm going to ask about here, which I'll tell you right now, I will never stat shame this beautiful man, but Julio Jones, 8 catches, 137 yards, 2 TDs on 10 targets. I think to me, so I think you can make an argument here that he's carrying a little bit too much, maybe uh, maybe a little too much girth at a certain angles, here not looking the best but I think really just to be completely serious about this this is just positive regression like people always talk about Julio and go like oh he's not getting touchdowns he's not whatever he's been hurt and he got his two touchdowns today and this is how football works sometimes guys don't get those results especially when you have Calvin Ridley out there when you have some of these other targets that have been in the Falcons organization for a while so I won't stat shame Julio here I don't expect this every week but you got to take the you know eight for 90 days or even the the three for 60 days when you're going to get these monster upside days that he basically could have broken the slate except nobody played him
0: yeah this is julio jones i i refuse to stat shame him this is he took he took a little bit off from posting on instagram we hadn't seen him for a while it's like hey julio where are your stories where are your posts and then he comes back and just in this Bang and Speedo just completely jacked up. The likes are rolling in. Everyone's like, glow up, King. Go off, King. We cannot stat shame you. We don't know where you've been, but you look good right now. I am not stat shaming Julio Jones.
1: Now you, you, you wanted to give him a go twirl Julio. That's what you're going to ask him to do because he's carrying it beautifully and he carried it beautifully today. But um, I just, you know, wouldn't expect him to look that great next week. Maybe next week you'll be like, oh, that shirt's a little more of a belly shirt than it should be. <laughs> and that's sometimes how it goes with Julio. A guy who I think maybe a more credible case for sat shaming though. Curious to see where Pete lands with this. DeAndre Swift, 116 yards and two touchdowns on 14 carries, three catches for seven yards on four targets. And I have to say, I like DeAndre Swift. I'm intrigued by him, but I do have to say, for me, Pete, I think that there's a little bit much for him. I don't want to see him quite this big yet. I feel like you have Adrian Peterson there. He's also, you know, competing for some scraps. There's going to be some days where DeAndre Swift gets fed. I'm okay with that, but to me, this looks like a split backfield. Peterson sold 15 touches today, even though he was out for parts of the week. Uh, you know, it's it's Matt Patricia. I don't expect anybody, I and mean, he's taken his own <laughs> shares of the buffet as well. But I would say that overall, um, I. think... Think DeAndre Swift a little bit overfed this week, a little bit, a little bit husky. I would say compared to what his usual output will be.
0: Yeah. To me, DeAndre Swift is, you know, he's, he's at the beach. He takes this photo with his buddies and they look great there. They're all cut up and he still goes on and puts on some ridiculous Instagram filter. He's going through and he's like, yeah, this needs the Amaro. And it's like, no, it, it doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. You just need to post it as is hashtag no filter. Yeah. He had a really long run. He ran really good on touchdown efficiency. He's a great prospect. He is a great player. His Time will come, but we know Matt Patricia is super finicky with how he allocates running back touches. We know that he's really wants to use Adrian Peterson. He's used three backs in this offense before. So yes, uh, it's going to be up and down for DeAndre Swift, but the, he was a really highly talented rookie running back. He was drafted highly. His day is coming. The question is, will Matt Patricia give him this big of a role going forward? There's some room to uh, to be skeptical.
1: Yeah, I mean, you gotta want to see DeAndre Swift get fed, and for all the Swifties out there, of course, like Pete, the the main Swifties, not the Taylor Swifties, those guys. One day there's gonna be a, an ugly anchorman style brawl between the DeAndre Swifties and the Taylor Swifties, and um, I hope the DeAndre Swifties come prepared for war. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I would say. Last guy here, we have to stat shame the general Ryan Tannehill. I I, I really, actually, I think I'm gonna stick with this one. I think I'm gonna really drill this. Into the ground. I like general. the general. Yeah, it, it is just it sound...
0: Randone's nickname the general.
1: Uh whatever. It's 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 Tannehill's now. He sounds like a Confederate general in Tennessee. Like like General Tannehill stormed the brigades of Nashville and, and I don't know, smashed some guitar. He or beat what...
0: COVID <laughs> with his bare hands.
1: <laughs> he, he did beat COVID <laughs> with his bare hands. And Tannehill today, three hundred sixty four yards, four touchdowns, one interception. It's his second game over twenty eight fantasy points in five days. And I'll this is where I'll say that I think that Ryan Tannehill, despite being the general, a little bit Bit too much time in commissary, I think, with for Ryan Tannehill. A little too much time enjoying the spoils of his labor of being the general. I think he's going to have some leaner weeks. I think you know it's just a little too much for him right now. I do say though, I think he's got to be a GPP consideration every week, and and we saw today he can get there even if Derrick Henry gets there, which I think is actually pretty inspiring. So I'm on board with the general. I like I like where he looks. He's thick in all the right spots right now, but I just don't think it holds up over time.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 completely there with you, and. He's so tough from like if you have him in season long, like awesome. You got him at a great value. You keep rolling him out there. This offense has been great. But this is the same thing that happened last year where they were so hyper efficient. And we still know what they want to do, which is run the ball. And so I'm torn of, you know, the regression boogeyman is coming. And on top of that. Uh, from a DFS perspective, he, they were really hard to use today in DFS because he was going to be popular. AJ Brown was going to be hot, popular. Johnny Smith was going to be popular. So it's like, how do you get leverage on this team? I mean, sure. I guess you can play Adam Humphreys and Khalif Raymond, but, uh, that's getting really off the board. So I don't know what to do with these Titans, man.
1: No, you're actually 100% spot on because I was getting more Tannehill than I wanted. And then I was like comparing it again to the SIM numbers. And it was like, oh, he's actually just a top whatever, a top one quarterback 5% of the time. He was going to be, I think, 15 to 20% owned or projection. But then you pair that with A.J. Brown, who was also a bit over-owned. Basically, the stack looked less good and and maybe it shouldn't have. Maybe that's just the one thing is like if you play Houston, <laughs> and, then all rules go out the window and just load up on Houston or Dallas. Anybody in Texas just load up.
0: Yeah, no, that is uh that is the thing. We are entering uh you know what Al Smizzle calls flowchart territory where these teams who are just uh, atrocious have uh kind of revealed themselves and now it's just the uh, the town gets to come through, take a spin on the wheel and move on to the next town. I don't know what that analogy is but I just made it. I felt like you
1: were doing like a town bicycle thing which is a... a... That's what I was. I think I was kind of going for the town bicycle but I but I went with like a Ferris wheel thing. You take a ride on
0: the Tennessee or the, the Houston Ferris wheel and then you head off.
1: Yeah, the Ferris wheel of course, the most exciting ride as we all know each week week, but yeah, play play anybody playing the Texas teams. That seems like the move. All right. It's the time here, of course, for the one, the one for all the YouTube people out there who are getting there by all of our, our hardworking SEO elves behind the scenes doing a great job. It's the waiver wire snake draft where we do four rounds and the rule here, the only rule really is every player has to be under 40% owned on ESPN season long leagues or at 40% rostered. Excuse me. We don't say owned here and we also <laughs> don't say handcuffed. Keep that in mind. P. Oh, I say handcuff. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's one guy who left us an iTunes comment or an apple podcast comment who was like i'm an aa and i approve of, of pete saying this. and i thought it was funny that he was saying african-american as aa <laughs> oh i thought he was or was he saying alcoholics anonymous no, i guess that's the only other no, he said i'm an aa so oh, i think
0: oh okay gotcha.
1: but, <laughs> but i mean but shout out to all our aas out there <laughs> yeah. appreciate all the aas either way the waiver wire snake draft i took the first pick last week so pete i'll let you have this one who would be your first pick in our waiver wire snake draft
0: all right, um, I saw a tweet today that Miles Sanders is getting evaluated for this knee that pulled him out of the game early. And the, the tweet said that the team is pretty concerned about it. They said both Zach Ertz and, and Miles Sanders were getting looked at, but the team is way more concerned about what's going on with Miles Sanders. I am going to go ahead then in just on the off chance that he does miss time. I'm going to draft uh, Boston Scott who hasn't done much, like whoever's been behind them this year, hasn't been getting a lot of work, but we saw Boston Scott last year in the playoffs produce. And he produced at the goal line. He can catch passes. He was a guy I was drafting in season long leagues as a stash thinking he might have some standalone value. And he didn't get a ton of that standalone value. But I think if Miles Sanders misses time, I think Boston Scott is going to be a great fantasy ad. So I'm going to grab him here.
1: One-on-one. Yeah, the, the week one Boston Scott situation didn't work out that well. Because wait, yeah, Miles was out week one, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, that yeah. he flopped as yeah. chalk. <laughs> yeah, he was not good, yeah. but um, it does seem like they've moved again. Another guy who's getting a lot of those intended touches per game and a guy who's been involved. And uh, I just feel like for Carson, I agree uh, that it is uh, a spot that you probably need to have Boston Scott out there doing something because uh, they had, they had Jalen Hurts out there doing stuff and playing two QBs <laughs> yeah. at once. And they need somebody to do something for Carson and make him less terrible.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, um, so, oh, yeah, taking? for me. So I get the turn here. I'm going to take Trey Burton. I feel like I that was... Inc- he
0: was on my radar. I
1: yeah. was encouraged by, you know, and granted Mo Alley Cox to come back, and that's going to be it. But we've talked about Trey Burton enough on here where we discussed, you know, Frank Reich has a history with Trey Burton. Did seem like he's been feeding him the ball. He got a rushing touchdown today. Also got a receiving one. He's involved enough where I think because of how ugly tight end is... Actually, I'm going to do something real weird here um, because... Tight end again, real bad, and I feel like you just need to. If you have roster spaces, just take some shots. Darren Fells, another guy for me. I think he's taking advantage of the the injuries in that. In that, is this your pick? You yeah, back to back. Okay, yeah, I'm doing back to back tight ends here, just because I don't. I thought love... you were
0: squeezing him in as like a one A to your Trey <laughs> no, bird no. pick. I was no, like, I got what, the now turns. Now gets
1: three picks. <laughs> I'm doing double tight ends in a row here because that's probably not something you should do in an actual waiver. But let's say one's unavailable, or you have the FAB budget, you have your your free agent. Uh, all bros budget ready to go. And, um, you know, you need to get a tight end. I feel like putting bids on these two guys fells, definitely rising with that tide of that Houston offense. I don't expect every week to be like today where he had some big results, but, but Trey Burton fells. I think uh, if you just need somebody at tight end who has the chance to spike an upside, these guys do have an upside. And I feel like at that position, I just take what you can get.
0: Yeah, I'm going to, you know, we're recording this on Sunday night. And so I'm taking some cracks on speculative injury situations so Joe Mixon missed the uh the first half with a foot injury and he did return to play and looked okay but uh you know I was reading uh, Gene Bramwell over at football guys he thinks it's likely he's going to be limited in practice this week that the video was kind of inconclusive on what that injury looked like and sometimes these guys are able to come back and push through it after a little bit of locker room treatment but it could get worse after the fact and Gio Bernard has had like a pretty solid role They're in in pass-catching situations, and we know that the team trusts him and will be willing to to go to him in the event that Mixon misses time. So again, obviously check your practice reports before waivers on on Wednesday or Tuesday or whenever they process, but Mixon is a guy that I think uh, would have some really nice value, uh, or sorry, Bernard, if Mixon were to miss time.
1: No, that definitely makes sense. They've been leaning on mixing a lot, getting all those touches. They got to go somewhere. And Gio even had a touchdown today um, in that time that Pete mentioned. Uh, You got the pick on the turn here, so go ahead. Yeah, this is tough. I'm like, so
0: many of the options that are are solid are are tight end options. How about we do this one? We mentioned that T.Y. Hilton is dust. What about Zach Pascal here? He had seven targets today against Cincinnati. He did get in the the end zone as well, 54 yards receiving. If our thesis is T.Y. Hilton just doesn't really have room in this offense or he is getting older and dusted, someone has to step up. In the beginning of the season, they clearly wanted that to be Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell looked like he was going to explode this year. It seems like there's maybe room for the tight ends and one other pass catcher. I think we take a stab on Zach Pascal and see if he is that pass catcher uh, in this offense.
1: I've liked Zach Pascal in the past, and I feel like between him and and Marcus Johnson, who was called up again today after he's been on the roster before, but um, he had the biggest day out of all the receivers, and I feel like uh, Pascal's probably a little bit less flimsy than Johnson. I just don't see him getting 100-yard days, many days moving forward. Um, That team wants to run first and foremost, and that was definitely a symptom of them being behind today. Um, all right, so let me see. Oh, man. Der- this is really ugly on waivers this week, but <laughs> there is nobody. Like I feel like I should do an all-tight-end special and take Ferkser here. I won't do it, but I... <laughs> It's just, it's real bad. Um, I think I'll take the stab on James Washington. I, you know, we talk a lot about our boy Splash Clay, Chase Claypool, of course, who we, we, I feel like we talked about pretty early on. We were we were trying to push him there. Just watching him today, too. He's just so big. He's great. But I think if he's going to have weeks that have come down a little bit more, I think James Washington's going to get some time out there. And it does seem like they want to pass a lot. You know, Claypool's great, but I do think there are going to be weeks that he's just not going to be as amazing as he's been. I I find it hard to keep him off the Field though with Deontay Johnson and his situation, but Deontay's been banged up all year. There's clearly routes to go around. So, uh, James Washington, I think, seems worthwhile for you know, on a week, week of waivers.
0: Yeah, no, I, I like the James Washington call. And yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty in this offense right now as far as you know, what's the deal with Juju? <laughs> like mm-hmm. his production is really weird. Uh, is Deontay Johnson just going to remain injury prone? And we know this offense can support two wide receivers weekly. Like two of these guys can pop off each week. And so if we know there's four here, like you want to take shots on those four because any kind of injury or player performance thing can vault two of these guys into big relevance each week. So I like the James Washington call.
1: And for me, I got the turn here. So I will take one more tight end (laughs) because why not? I will take the aforementioned Albert (laughs) Okwagabunum. Wow. How many times do I have to perfectly say
0: a for a you? A Cooey
1: I need to think I need like some mnemonic device here, <laughs> but <laughs> a Cooey Um he got a ton of work and granted, you no, know, it's because Noah Fant was out, but if Fant does miss some time, they do have Kansas city next week. They do have some matchups here, Atlanta coming up in a couple weeks. I think it's worth the shot here just because he really looked like I don't know, Pete, how closely you're watching this one, but it was an ugly game. But he was getting targeted a lot. And there were a couple targets, too, in the end zone that got called off because of either an offensive penalty or a defensive penalty. I just felt like he was really involved in a way and he basically looked like Noah Fant out there. So I take that stab just in case Fant stays out.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. He was. You know, he had the one thing he had going against him is just this macro trend of, hey, rookie tight ends don't normally produce early, which this was a good week for rookie tight ends. Cole Komet for the Bears, who was the top rated tight end prospect, he got in the end zone. And Albert O was um, an incredible prospect from uh, a talent perspective. And what's the one thing we've just seen over and over with tight ends? Like, we want these guys big, fast, and athletic and Albert O checks all of those boxes. So the only thing holding him back is the typical learning curve. And I think that learning curve exists because teams normally ask them to block and catch at similar frequencies and learning all of those blocking assignments is normally a pretty big deal. So if these guys get freed up to run more pass routes and just worry about that, I mean, these young guys can crush in the same way we've seen the rookie wide receivers crush. So um, while I can't co-sign an all tight end waiver wire segment from you. I I do like Albert O.
1: 75% tight end. James Washington, (laughs) very much not a tight end though. Uh, you know, maybe he has a tight end. Am I right, fellas? James <laughs> Washington, check it. So we have to talk about all the male bodies on here. There was some thread I saw today. Uh, people talking about I think it was AJ Dillon's thighs and like and there oh, was all the th- quads. People <laughs> yeah. love his quads. Yeah, because because yeah. uh, Trey can just talk about his quads and then everybody. It's weird, man. It's football's becoming a very weird sport in terms of that part of things.
0: What well, is funny? Cause it's like, these guys are in the, you know, the 1% of the 1% of like athletic specimens on the planet. And it's, it is funny when you see these training camp photos, cause I think that's when it started with AJ Dillon. It was from Packers training camp and there was a shot of him on the sidelines. And what was super funny about this, I don't know if you remember this, but everyone started talking about his quads. And then the next day he was wearing incredibly short shorts as if he went to the trainer who does the, you know, the, the, uh, whatever the clothing for the team and was, like I need the shortest pair of shorts
1: to accentuate my incredible quads. <laughs> hey, look, if he's getting probably get some DMS of girls, like, I love your muscular quads. And he's like, I gotta lean on this. <laughs> yeah, Check out the only fans of AJ Dillon, where he's showing off <laughs> all those beefy quads. Uh, Pete, you got the last pick here in the waiver wire to close out, of course, our waiver wire snake draft for week seven.
0: Yeah. So you have your theme, this draft, which is tight ends. My theme are these, uh, kind of scat back pass catchers. You want to make nickel. I am. I'm going to McNichols here. Uh, so as I said, led the team in yards per carry 10.2. Um, but actually what I like about McNichols here too, is that they're almost using him. You know, some of these guys have like distinct roles where they'll just come in and catch passes like JD McKissick on, on Washington. He's only going to catch passes. He's not getting carries, but The way McNichols is being used, he's gotten both receptions and carries both of these games, which to me, it's less that like I'm super excited about the standalone value. Like I'm not excited to start Jeremy McNichols, but I think it hints at what his role would be if Derrick Henry went down. And obviously Derrick Henry is fully healthy now, but we want pieces of this offense. And as we enter this part of the season where bye weeks get behind us, if you have good teams, the way I like to play it is stashing all of these high upside handcuffs. No one's excited about Tony Pollard right now, but if Zeke went down, Tony Pollard would be a smash. And I now think this is setting up in this window with Darrington Evans on IR. If Henry goes down, McNichols would be a smash. And so that's how I'm starting to think about about my bench stashes.
1: I think especially too if you're playing a team, you know, or if you are a team rather who, you know, you have your guys you're putting in and you're not putting in I'm trying to think what an example would be like if you have T. Y. Hilton at wide receiver and you have, you know, three clearly better wide receivers every week, like don't hold on to T.Y. Hilton just cuz you invested the draft capital or the auction capital in him. Like just get go with one of these guys that Pete's mentioning cuz I agree with you like I think that's the move and, and people sometimes get married to these guys and just keep them on the rosters forever and it's like no just just move on if you're not going to play him and it sucks if they go off but it's better just have that roster space and have, actually have a chance of having upside with a guy you might actually play
0: yeah no and the you know there's a term for it they call them the roster cloggers where in what you're describing that sunk cost fallacy is like who cares like you whiffed on the pick it doesn't matter if you took him in the fifth round like one guy that's been tough for me that I was drafting in a lot of places is Christian Kirk and like things have gotten a little bit better but he's been a roster clogger in that I'm not starting him but I don't feel comfortable dropping him when I'd rather have honestly a Jeremy McNichols on my team and I think there's probably examples that are, um, slightly, uh, less tough decisions that you can just quickly move on and get the high upside stash.
1: Yeah. And well, if you have a great guy, you know, who you that, keep that guy, but don't keep the guys who you're just never going to play because uh, you know sometimes people do that. And it's, I think one of the biggest mistakes people make in season long leagues is just not thinking, fo- looking forward, think about week 15, think about week 14, the weeks that actually are going to matter for you in a championship, or, you know, if the, one of these guys does get hurt, like Pete mentioned. Uh, guys, remember, make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. actually Pete, we haven't talked about our numbers in a while. So it's weird. The podcast numbers are higher on the Thursday shows and lower on the YouTube videos. And then the YouTube videos are higher on Sundays where we have the waiver wire because of people looking for that. And then the podcast numbers aren't as high. So I don't know what to make of it, but it's, it interests me. I feel like the podcast people are really the ones who are like, I want to ride or die with these guys and then be disappointed when they're wrong multiple, multiple times.
0: I can't, like, the Sunday being popular on YouTube makes sense to me because there's not a lot of stuff out right away. But why the podcast would be more on Friday morning, Thursday night, I I don't have a good logical explanation for that.
1: I think it's that people are, like, binging a ton of stuff leading up to making their lineups or whatever would be my guess. So we're just part of that rotation on podcasts, but... Maybe not on YouTube. I don't know. And also because YouTube, you know, we're not spiking that that search engine thing with just saying, hey, here's our picks. Like that's just one of those things that doesn't work quite as well. You know but. how that
0: you know the saying where they say he has a voice for radio? Maybe Splash Play has a face for Sundays
1: and a voice for Thursdays. That could be it. That could this is our <laughs> this is where we're usually a little more drunk, too. So could be I it. am
0: uh, definitely a little to the wind.
1: You acquit yourself well. I feel like at the opening I could tell a little more, but but I think now you're now you're full Pete. You're you're back to comedy king status. Certainly, I would roll out all the red carpets for you as my comedy king. My lead. Yeah. I,
0: what what <laughs> happened is I I spread it out over the course of the day, so I think I'm I'm okay. But. I'm a little toasty right there
1: now. There was one week, I don't remember which week it was, but it, maybe you could tell if you were out there watching the videos, but there was one Sunday where I was like I just drank way too many mimosas earlier in the day and then like my girlfriend like made coffee for me and I was like I need some non-drunk juice. <laughs> so I had coffee and they got a perfectly great show, but but I, yeah, I don't, of-
0: I don't remember you being anything uh, but incredibly professional <laughs> yeah. for all of our Sunday viewers because they, they can see the blemishes. They're watching us.
1: That's true. They, they're watching very closely, and that's why we're going to give them the best ride-or-die picks. And it's worth, I guess, just reviewing the list real fast. Right now, Pete is in the lead, but it does look like George Kittle could end up the winning captain in Showdown whereas Cam Akers doesn't seem to have much of a shot as somebody who I don't think has played a single snap today after they were like, we're going to play him so much.
0: Well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about Frankie's tweet. You know, people rightfully getting on Spags for his conservative little picks. Pete taking big cracks. Someone said it was like we were playing horse and I'm shooting half court shots and you're shooting little layups. And uh, that really resonated with me, Spags.
1: I saw, I know, whenever Pete actually replies (laughs) to the tweet, I can tell that he's, like, engaged fully. And that's, like, I get it, but I think, you know, for me, I'm still viewing it, we tried to be heroes in week one, and I learned that week it's not the way to work it. So for me, I'll I'll keep giving practical advice in the hopes that it's right, though. I'm kind of souring on the over 20 DK points. Here's one that I want to bitch about real fast before we do (laughs) the Monday Night Picks. You're getting three points for DJ Moore outscoring Robbie Anderson. That feels like a coin flip.
0: No, okay. Well, you can't even do this. You pick Calvin Ridley over
1: 20 points.
0: His projection was like 18 fantasy points. It's the yeah, same but, thing. Oh, so
1: Alex madison's was 25. How'd that work out?
0: <laughs> hey, I am just saying we're talking the we're talking about the probability and likelihood of something happening. Uh, DJ so,
1: Moore. <laughs> yes, he's, he's Calvin Ridley over projected. 20
0: for 3 points. Get out of here.
1: Uh we we look, we established the baseline, I don't know what to tell you, but we know the That's what I said. I
0: don't know what to tell you. <laughs>
1: It's fucking horseshit. <laughs> Either way. You're
0: not gonna win this one. You you uh you sandbag these so much. The people are it's on true. my side.
1: And, and week to week, too, it is still a 3-1-1 one one record, so hopefully George Kittle bails me out once again. My showdown captain strategy uh, has been paying off in this game, but um, yeah, the ride-or-die picks, so I feel like nothing jumps out as being too great. We talked about uh, Pete nailing the T Higgins thing. Um, I didn't get anything. I got a couple of, of spread picks again. Hang and- on,
0: real quick, Spags. Yeah. You are so close, because I, I, I'm not looking at the big one. I'm in the... 20 max in first place is a Garoppolo lineup with 98.74 in the captain. And then in second place with 97.81 is a Kittle. So you are, you are on the fringe.
1: I, I, I would like that to come through Debo Samuel. I feel like is the one threatening it, but, Um, yeah, Debo, yeah, Debo, well, we'll see, we'll see how that goes out, but hopefully George Kittle comes through for me, I'm pretty good at picking showdown captains, I feel like that's one thing I've gotten right, but tomorrow, as we talked about earlier, it's a two-game slate on DraftKings, and there will be showdowns as well, um, not as big though, because they're putting a lot of resources, I think, on both sides, towards the two-game slate. Uh, But let's go through this one and pull up my data here. Got Kansas City getting 30.8 implied points in a game with a 56.5 point over under against Buffalo at Buffalo. Buffalo's getting 25.8 implied points. So they're a five point dog at home. And Pete, I will let you bring your wizardry to the ride or die picks as you always do.
0: Yeah, well, I have my MO, which is chasing these young, talented, explosive wide receivers that never get as much opportunity as I want them to. Sammy Watkins has officially been ruled out with his hamstring injury, and although he continues to lose snaps to Demarcus Robinson, I will say Miko Hardman, over 20 fantasy points, continues to fulfill on the talent profile in a limited
1: work. Is, so Tredavious White still questionable, right? I honestly
0: don't know. Honestly. I think
1: that so that it's weird because he practiced and John Brown practiced, but they're both, I think, technically still marked as questionable. So that kind of throws me for a loop because if he's out, I think that changes the equation completely. If he's on Tyreek Hill, like I think he's going to actually make it pretty difficult on Tyreek Hill. So, uh, you know, just something to keep in mind, watch the injury stuff, because this is one thing for me last week, uh, where when Travis white was out, I was like, I'm going to play AJ Brown a lot because this is an important one to me. And, um, I would do the same thing with Tyree kill, but I agree. You know, if Travis is out there, he is one of like two or three shutdown corners, I think in the league that actually matter. And, um, yeah, he's, he's a monster. The, um, the only
0: thing that's tricky about the shutdown corner matchups with the chiefs. And we've seen it with the Patriots too, is sometimes teams will put their best corner on Kelsey too yeah. so it's it's like hard to know how they view uh which weapon they want to contain the most
1: yeah no but either way i think it's it's noting because i think the pass game not that the kansas city pass game is ever unappealing but i think it gets more appealing if white isn't out there and um i'm gonna say for me i gotta get a josh allen rebound here i think seems like the right move let me see what is what is his chances of being the number one um I think for me, I will. T- oh boy, Josh Allen actually not projecting that well in terms of the Sims. I'm surprised by this. I'll, I'll take Kyler Murray being, I, I think this one's okay. Um, so I'll take him in the next game then. Um, I'll take that Patrick Mahomes does something. What, what can I get for 10 points here? To
0: be- so sp- Spags, <laughs> I'm Patrick Mahomes, this is where you try to angle for just like something with a 50% probability where you get 10 points for it.
1: Yeah, that's Bullshit. what I'm hoping for. <laughs> Instead, I'm, I'm hoping you'll throw out a, a little bit of a life pres, a life preserver. Okay, here.
0: I'll give you. So for ten points, you need to, uh, uh, you know, he throws for either five hundred yards or five touchdowns. That's a ten pointer.
1: I'll take I'll take five touchdowns for him. I think this is one where the run game is going to be a little more difficult to come across, and I like Mahomes getting just some cheap touchdowns for him. So, five, can it be five total touchdowns, including rushing?
0: Yeah. yeah okay.
1: Yeah. Five right. total
0: touchdowns. For, Although, actually, for so
1: and that's a ten pointer.
0: I'll give you 10 points on five total touchdowns because okay. I'm nice.
1: I mean, I appreciate that. I, I'll no, keep I that, think that.
0: I think the likelihood of that is within the 10 point. I think that's a sub 10% outcome.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's, I think that's fair. That also would make him the showdown captain. That's why I was asking. Cause if you're like, that's a three pointer, then I would just take him as the captain. Cause that's been a, a winning strategy in the ride or die picks.
0: No, because yeah, I mean, if he, if he combines for five touchdowns, like what his captain scores could be like 60 points. Like it, that'll be absurd.
1: Wait, what was your bet again? I'm just gonna put it down the sheet. So Will, uh,
0: I said, Meekole Hardman over twenty DK okay. points for three.
1: And that that feels like that should be worth more, but that's that's life here, you know.
0: <laughs> if you look at his projection, like he's gonna only project for like twelve to thirteen points as a medium outcome. He's either gonna flop big or probably sail over it.
1: Yeah, I. It's an intriguing spot for Meekole tomorrow, and if he's gonna ever put it down, uh, you would think a day without Watkins. Uh, whether there's a smart defense at least even if white isn't out there and they're not quite a stout uh, they are a good game planning defense last game here at the other part of the Monday night slate Arizona getting 27.5 implied points this line's actually moved to a pick'em now Dallas also getting 27.5 implied points slightly lower over under a 55 uh, in this game and uh, again two really high totals tomorrow so hopefully these two games are fun and also keep in mind that the uh, Kansas City game is early it's a 5 p.m. start so I think that's worth noting too because that could screw with some people's processes but Pete in this game what do you want in this one?
0: Yeah, this game is tough for me. I'm actually going to double down for uh, we're in the super contest and we took this as one of our picks. So I will stay consistent. I'm going to take Dallas um, with the points here. Uh, I think they're being just undervalued a little bit that they're at home um, and having lost Dak Prescott, everyone kind of wants to overreact to that. I love Arizona as like a fantasy offense, but I think they're vaguely fraudulent as like a real life NFL team. I've seen some of the stuff about uh, Kyler Murray's interceptions, like his interceptions have, uh, impacted win probability more than any other quarterback outside of Carson Wentz. I saw that one, which I thought was interesting, just throwing interceptions at really inopportune times. So yeah, I'm just going to bet against the Cardinals and, and trust that Dallas at home, uh, can keep this close.
1: That's surprising to me. I didn't, I didn't see that stat, but that's an interesting one. Cause he's only got a 3% interception rate on the year, which is about average. Like it's a little bit above, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that, but that's, uh, kind of a down. That kind of throws a little bit of, of water on my <laughs> Kyler Murray being the top QB on the slate. Uh, you know what? I'll go this way. Michael Gallup showdown winning captain on the Cowboys side. I feel like that's one that people sometimes sleep on because Michael Gallup's had a, a couple of lazy games recently or a couple of lower output games, but I think he's got the best matchup on the board from what I'm seeing right now uh, going against Drake or Patrick is supposed to be his main matchup. So I think that's a good one. I like him for the captain here. And Andy Dalton, the ginger rifle, uh, getting him to the glory, the promised land. And I should
0: still clarify. I mean, I think Kyler Murray's is an awesome fantasy play and an awesome fantasy quarterback. I just thought that was interesting from a real life uh, perspective that it, when he is uh, turning the ball over, that it's in very inopportune times uh, for the team.
1: No, I think I think that's uh, a good observation. Definitely uh, one that I would not have guessed from him, especially given the fact that he runs so much. Like you would think you'd avoid those kind of mistakes by running, but... That's that's he, football for you.
0: The other crazy uh, quarterback interception stat I saw had related to Jimmy Garoppolo, who's actually playing a much better game. But he had, uh, Mina Kimes had this uh, post with a chart where it showed interceptions on the y-axis in average depth of target on the x-axis. And Jimmy Garoppolo was like off the charts for interception rate relative to his average depth of target, which is really shallow. And it's like, it's kind of hard to throw interceptions when you're dinking and dunking at five to 10 yards down the field. But Jimmy Garoppolo finds a way to do
1: it. Well, it's like his first touchdown of the day was him literally handing it off to Debo Samuel, but it was like he <laughs> just threw it up slightly in the air one foot ahead of him and they were like, yeah. Oh, Jimmy G, he hasn't thrown up a- I think he hadn't thrown a pass over negative two yards in the first like quarter and a half, but like basically up until we rec- uh, we started recording, he hadn't thrown a pass over a and a- a- one minus one yard, actually. Okay, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's life here, Pete. Anything you want to hit on before we call it quits? And of course, we return on Thursday after Thursday night football. There will be a game. We were unsure about this, but there is a um, an Eagles uh, Giants game, I believe, on Thursday. So we'll be back doing the usual. And um, well, I don't we do we have a guest? We I
0: I haven't thought of it, but I I say we keep the guest train rolling on Thursdays. Let us know in the comments. You get you get the Spags and Pete show on Sunday. You get the guest shows on Thursday. Do you guys like us rolling? Just uh, us two? Do you like it when we bring a guest in the mix? If you have guest suggestions you'd like to see, uh, drop them in the comments and we'll see what we can do.
1: Yeah, we had a good couple ones up front here, and I feel like I don't want to throw any crap at the people here, but there's so many smart people out there that it's probably worth us keeping the guest game going. But yeah, let us know in the comments. Hit the like button, subscribe. Of course, an Apple podcast. Give this podcast five stars and a review. That really does help us out a lot on there. That's the one YouTube, I think, is going to take care of itself with growing and going the right way. But podcasts, we need you guys to really help us out. Go the extra mile by opening an app and (laughs) leaving a a five-word comment on there that indicates that we are a competent podcast.
0: There you go. There you go. That's what we need. We need to know we are competent.
1: <laughs> That's all I need to know in life ever. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you guys again Thursday. Hit the like button and subscribe and a follow at Peter Rovers at follow at Chris Spaggs and we'll be back with you guys again very soon. So enjoy tomorrow's millionaires and makers and uh, and win that million. Bye guys.